Welcome to the Gathering at Adel's Sermon of the Week. This message is by Pastor Jeff Hopkins. As you listen, we pray that you will be encouraged, empowered, and enriched. Thank you. God bless. You know, uh, I'm sorry that if you've gotten the, the spill from religion that God is impersonable, that he's no good, that he's this God that's far away ready to smite you at any moment you mess up. I'm sorry about that because, man, that's not the God that we worship. He's good. I, I, I don't know what you've read about him in here. I don't know what you've been told about him. He's even better than that. He's, he's better than you can even imagine. I mean, you, you take the best thing that you could ever even imagine about him, and it, it pales in comparison to who he really is. I'm sorry if you've gotten that, a God that pales in comparison to who he really is. That, that's just this mean guy. I'm sorry because he's a good father and he loves you. His love never runs out on you. I mean, we've wrapped up this year. Uh, it's been a hard year for a lot of people. Uh, we, we've seen, especially here in our church, we've seen loss that's just hard to fathom and hard to imagine, hard to reconcile. But what I love is I've seen the people in this church not be shaken. You, you know, because seasons will come and seasons will go, but the love of God will remain. His faithfulness does not change with the weather. His faithfulness does not come and go depending on the size of your bank account. He is faithful. And man, I've just seen you guys serve so well, endure so well. Because Jesus even said, he goes, hey man, you're, take heart because the world's going to hate you. But it hated me first. James said, I consider it pure joy when you, when you endure trials for my name's sake. Just because we have a good father and just because his love never runs out, just because he's faithful doesn't mean that we won't experience loss, hurt, brokenness, betrayal. But what it means is that in the midst of those things that we know that he is still there with us. You know, Beverly, it's been a joy to walk alongside you as your pastor. You served so well. It's a testimony to the love that, to the revelation of the love of God that you had and continue to have. You served so well and you continue to serve so well. You know, we, Mandy is our new children's pastor and her and her husband, Gary, have experienced loss in their family. And to be able to talk with them and like, they're not shaking. They're not pointing their finger at God. These are faithful men and women of God. We're surrounded by great men and women of God. If you're struggling, if you're confused, if you're wondering... Find someone in this building because I can promise you that they are good, great men and women of God. It's not, y'all, and y'all would probably even argue, it's not just me because most of the time it's not me at all. But there, this room is filled with them. 
that are living it out, the testimony of the goodness of God. Encouraged to be your pastor. There's nothing I enjoy more than to be able to serve the Lord alongside you, to open up the word of God and and hopefully enlighten you or, or encourage you to live in a way that the Lord is already calling you to. Well, our, I, I know there's a lot of sickness going around, and uh, our, our children's pastor, Bree, is, this Sunday was her last Sunday, and, and Mandy and her husband will be taking over from there. But Bree and her husband, Trenton, they got two little ones, Peyton and Jensen. They were supposed to be here so that we could pray over them and bless them, even though Bree protested from the very beginning that any attention would be paid to her. But, you know, really, Bree has done a phenomenal job, not just as our children's pastor, because honestly, we don't view our staff just as their title and their role, but we view them as pastors, as moms and dads and husbands and wives and servants and brothers and sisters in Christ. And Bree has done a phenomenal job serving. There's been many times that she has been back there way more than necessary. But she doesn't regret one minute she spent with your kids. There, there's been many times where she's been up late taking food to people, ministering to people, thanking, praying for you guys. And, and we wanted to be able to pray over her. She's going to be taking a month away from, from this place here. Uh, her and her husband are just going to go and worship with his parents for a bit. And then uh, they plan to, to be able to come back here. And so... My encouragement to you would be, can you send her a note? I know that that might be hard for, you know, you under 30s. But could you just write a note? Send a text. Let her know that what she means to you. Let her know the impact that she's had because her job has been so much more than the kids. But she's just been someone that we can lean on, depend on, and that's filled in many gaps. And so thankful for her and her time and uh, I can tell you, if you haven't got to meet Mandy and Gary, uh, phenomenal people. You're, you're going to love them so much. They are so good. They've got beautiful daughters over there. Where You're missing one. Where is she? She's with my daughter over there, of course, probably. Beautiful family that just love the Lord, that are called to be children's pastors. And man, I'm excited to have you guys on board. We're going to pray over them next week and set them in officially. But man... Ephesians, we're back, all right? We took a little break, but we're in Ephesians chapter 4, and uh, man, this is, this is a good one. You know, you're not going to get a new year, new you message from me, all right? Uh, because the truth is, the you has to die. It's not a new you. You have to die. And so we're not trying to become the, the best version of ourselves. The best version of ourselves still ain't good enough. You know, sorry to burst your bubble. I know it's New Year's Eve. You're going to be celebrating tonight. But the best version of you still ain't enough. So doesn't mean that we can't work on ourselves. Doesn't mean that we can't grow closer to the Lord. But Jeff has to die. Daily have to die. I was reminded of it yesterday by my wife. I had a momentary lapse of uh, sanity. And I, I, I desired something that I should not have desired. And uh, 
you know, my, my longhorns, I love my longhorns. And they, I, I had an opportunity to try to go at a discounted rate to New Orleans tomorrow for a bowl game. And my wife was like, Are, have you lost your mind? And I was like, babe, sorry, I did. I, I got a little, okay, you know. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for uh, bringing me, snapping me out of that, right? Because Jeff still has to die. Because what, what we're looking at today says, man, we've been reading one through three. And if, if you've been following along with us, Paul and his letters, a lot of his letters go, the first half are like theology and doctrine, right? He, he's going through here that, that, I'll just read a couple. In Ephesians 1, right, that in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Number two, chapter two, it says, and you were dead in your trespasses and your sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of the world, right? So the first part, he lays out doctrine and theology, but then in the second half of his books and his letters, he will begin to lay out the practical application. That's why chapter 4, we're not going to be in 1 through 16. We'll be in 17 through uh, something. We'll see how, how far we get. But 1 through 16, it starts off chapter 4. Therefore, I, the prisoner and the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling that you have received. You see, so you have all these doctrines, like this, this, and this. This has all happened. This is who you are in Christ. And then Paul transitions it with a therefore. Therefore, in light of what I've just told you, now I want you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. All right, so he gets there. But then not only that, not only is there that one therefore, there's like three more therefores once you come through there. And so we come into chapter 4, verse 17. And it starts off like he talks about unity and the body of Christ, how we're all there together. And then verse 17, it says, therefore, so in light of all of this that I've already said, therefore, I say this and I testify in the Lord. You should no longer walk as the Gentiles do and the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of evil kind, uh, practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. Verse 20, but that is not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about him or were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. To take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self the one created in God's likeness and righteousness and impurity of the truth. You see, Paul says, therefore, in light of all of this stuff, you have to take off the old self. You, you can't walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their mind. That, but, but he's writing to them in the church, and he says, you should no longer walk as they walk. So they were people that, came to know Christ, they were Christ's followers, but then he's seen them and he says, okay, but now you should no longer walk as the Gentiles walk. Like, what, what happened? You were doing so well in the first three chapters are just beautiful language of Paul. He's so encouraging, uplifting, building up, and then in chapter four he gets to it and he's like, do not walk as they walked. In, in the futility of their minds, you should not do that anymore. And that, that word futility means aimlessness. That, that without aim to, towards an object or a person. 
to walk in the futility of their minds means that, that they had no end in sight. You see that when we live as Christ's followers, our end in sight is to be with Jesus. And everything that we do is to get to that point where we get to meet him face to face. Everything. That, that, like if y'all are new, like our thing that we say around here a lot is that we exist to display and declare the glory of God. That everything that we say, that we do, that we are, every activity that we have here is to display and declare the glory of God. Because that is our end, is to where we get to see the glory of God and we get to see him face to face. But if you walk as the Gentiles did, in the futility of their mind, they were aimless. They were wandering without a cause, without a purpose. And Paul is writing to the church and he's saying, I've seen you guys do this and you should no longer do that. Because haven't you heard the truth? Haven't you been taught the truth? Don't you know who Jesus is? And he's saying right here, our purpose and our aim is Jesus. You see, because he said that you, they walked according to the futility of their mind. One, because their hearts were hardened. Because circumstances happened that they couldn't explain, so they blamed God and they hardened their hearts. They experienced tragedy, trauma, loss. Things didn't go the way they expected, so they hardened their hearts towards God. Well, when you harden your heart towards God, you no longer pursue Him. You begin to pursue the things outside of God. If God doesn't make sense to you because this prayer didn't happen, and, and let's be honest, most of the time it didn't happen the way that I wanted it to happen, not that the way that it was supposed to happen, right? It's like, I wanted this to happen this way. It didn't happen this way. So now my heart is hardened towards God. So then you begin to seek out those things in other places. You begin to try to find identity and value and purpose and things other than the Father. You see, because the old self has to die, right? It says, to, to, in verse 22, it says, to take off the former way of life. That we can no longer walk in those ways. It's not new year, new you. It's new year, dead you. We got to die again. Because it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that we're a new creation in Christ. He didn't just DIY a little home makeover. He, he had to demolish, die, kill, so that the new person could come. And the new person is rooted in identity of Jesus Christ. We have to take off the old way, our old ways of doing things. Same thing with us. When we come into Christ, we still have our thoughts and our ways of doing things that God is saying, you cannot walk in that anymore. Oh, well, I've always done this. This is what works for me. No, that doesn't work anymore. You see, we tend to go back to the old way because that's what we know, that's what we've seen, that's what we're comfortable with. But the old you, the old thoughts, patterns, attitudes have to die so that Christ can come through you. They were led by their ignorance is what it says. That, that before Christ, we are led by our ignorance. But yet what happens when we come to Christ and we reject the word of God, when we reject truth, we fall right back into that ignorance. 
Paul's saying, you came to know Christ, you came to know the truth, but yet you're still walking in ignorance. You're still walking in a darkened mind. For us, it begins to ask the question, are there things that I'm walking in that I'm walking in ignorance? Are there things that I'm walking in? Hey, this isn't judgmental today, so if it feels a little harsh, I apologize. I'll try to tone it down. But this is for me, too, so if, if you feel judgmental, just judge me, too, because I'm, I'm preaching to myself. But is, like, is there an area in my life that my mind is still darkened towards that's causing me to walk in the old way? Is there an area where my heart has become hardened towards him? Because things didn't go the way that I thought they should have gone. They, they were led by, their, by the pursuit of worldly desires is what it says. They became callous, gave themselves over for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. When we become Christ followers, the worldly desires have to fall off. They, they, they don't have a right in my life anymore, right? The desire to go to that game had to die because that was a worldly desire. You see that, that we no longer have to give in to the worldly desires because Galatians 2.20 says that I have been crucified to the world and the world to me. The world has the world and its desires, the, the things that the world has to offer have no power over me anymore. I don't have to be led by my worldly and fleshly desires anymore. The old self is led that way. But what happens is when we try to just walk out like and just add him to what we're already doing, well, then we always fall back into the old way. This analogy in verses 22 through 24, it says to put off, to take off the former way of life, to be renewed. And then in verse 24, it's to put on the new self. The imagery is clothing. So it, it says, if you read it in verse 22, it says to take off the former way of life. So to, to take off the former clothing that you used to wear. You, you you see, but what happens is we, we don't want to take off that clothing because it's comfortable. You, you like a good old shirt. You know, you just wear it. I got in trouble for wearing an old shirt the other day. My wife is in the nursery, so I can make a lot of these things right now, right? Uh, she, 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 she didn't go back and listen to these things. But, like, I, I got in trouble for wearing an old shirt. And, man, there's something so comfortable about an old shirt. But at some point, the old shirt is inappropriate. You know, you can't wear it out in public anymore. The same thing is with our old self. We're comfortable with that. We can make sense of it. But you, you can't just add it. You have to take off the clothes to put on the new clothes. A Christ follower's life has to involve a change in direction and conduct. It says that you can no longer walk in the way the Gentiles do in the futilities of their, of their minds. That a Christ follower's walk is defined by a change in conduct and a change in direction. That I used to live for all of those things, but now I live for him and him alone. I used to do those, all of these things, but now those things are not appealing to me anymore. And isn't it true at that verse 19, it says, uh, with a desire for more and more? Isn't it true when you go back into that, and you get a little taste of it, you realize, oh, that was good. I'm going to do that again. 
and again and again because the flesh is satisfied again and again and again and it wants more and more and more until it has every bit of you back into the old way. We were lost and we were wandering, but we've been found. The old way, the old self is done and gone. In order to first put on, in verse 24, we must first take off. We want all the things that the Lord has for us, right? 2024, like, man, this, this, and this. But you first have to take off what you've been carrying. It's not just an external change, like changing our clothes, but it's an internal surrender of our hearts and our minds and our attitudes. To, To take off our clothes is the external, but to put to death the old man is the internal. To where my mind, my attitudes are changed. We want to just take our time with the old self. You know, and, and we call that, uh, what, Pastor Mike, what is that when you, more and more like Jesus. What's the big word there? Sanctification. Can't ever remember that one. Right. We, we want to take sanctification and we want to make that process just last as long as we can. Why? Because we're holding on to the old stuff. Sanctification in the Bible, I never see it take that long. Jesus calls his disciples, hey, y'all come follow me. They dropped their nets immediately, left their family, and then followed him. There was not like a, oh, let me go see what I got going on next week. Jesus said, hey, whoever puts his hand to a plow looks back is not fit for the kingdom. But we take this sanctification, this, this old self, and we make it like, oh, man, I'll get there eventually. The Lord has grace and mercy. Yeah, yeah, you will get there eventually. The Lord does have grace and mercy. But imagine all the trouble that you get in getting there. All the hurt and the pain that you cause to yourself, that you bring on to your family, because you're too busy wanting to hang on to the old self. We got to die. It's not this choice of like, oh man, maybe I'll slowly take off these clothes. It's like a new identity has to be birthed in us immediately. And, and we always want to, man, you talk about this and you'll, you'll always get, I'll get text or email like, hey, well, what about the thorn in Paul's side? Yeah, yeah having, a, having a struggle with Dr. Pepper isn't, isn't a thorn in the side. It's you being a baby and immature. Talking to me, talking to me, don't worry, right? You not being able to control your mouth is not a thorn in your side that you just have to deal with till the Lord comes back. No, that's you being weak and immature. Paul, we, we, want, we want the... Thorn in the side as an excuse for Paul. But look, at Paul was shipwrecked on, on the run for his life. He, was, he got the lashes 39 or 40 minus 1, right? 40 would kill you, so he got, they gave him 39, right? He was on the run. He was in jail. We, oh, but we don't want those things. We just want the excuse of the thorn in our side. Oh, yeah, that's it right there, you know. We want to be able to live the life of our old self but yet get to experience the blessings of God. And yet when we don't see them, then we go, Lord, where are you? We have to empty ourselves. We have to die to ourselves. We have to surrender to him. This next, this next part right here in verse 22 through 24, 
It says, you know, to take off your former way of life, to take off the clothes of the old self. And that old self is corrupted by deceitful desires. And then to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. To be renewed. So, like, it's not just like taking off clothes and then putting clothes back on. It's like if you're working outside and you get hot, sweaty, you don't just like do that, come inside, and then put on clean clothes. Wife will, no, that's not going to fly. Not in my house, right? No, that's not going to happen, right? You take the clothes off, get cleaned up, put new, new clothes back on. Or if you're the kids, you just swap 47 times all day long. Man, they're out of school right now, you know, and they're just changing clothes uncontrollably. Uh, and you're like, man, these guys. But what happens is there's this process where we're, we have to be renewed by the spirit of our minds. Like, that, that's why Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That honestly, most of our transformation is right here. Yeah, yeah, the, the Lord gives us a new heart, absolutely. But the battle is always here. I mean, how did, he, how did Satan get Eve? Did, did the Lord really say did God really say not to do that? And then she's like, I thought he did, but maybe he didn't. It's the battle of the mind. Be renewed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's why repentance, when you really look at that word and the, the picture of that word, it, it's not just like walking this way and then here's sin and then I just turn around this way. No, but it, it's changing your thinking. Re repentance isn't just that. It's changing our thinking because then our thoughts dictate our steps. If we believe one thing, then we'll go that way. If we don't believe that this is the way, then why would we ever go there? But our thoughts will dictate our steps. And so it's our mind that is, has to be renewed. Because if you think about the old self, the old way, it's not just... This is where the, the self-help, the self-improvement, the new you, new, new year, new you will get you. Because it sounds good. But it's not just, man, I'm, I'm not going to gossip anymore. Because that will only get you so far until there's a good story. You have to change your thinking and go, have the Lord reveal to you that when you talk bad about somebody, you're, you're tearing them down. You're destroying relationships. There's a, a great meme on Facebook that I love, and it said, uh, I saw it, and it says that, can you imagine how many people don't like you because they never heard your side of the story? When we gossip about people, we tear them down. We demolish their identity to others who may never, ever meet them. But in their mind, they're already less than us. So you can't just not gossip. You have to allow the Lord to change your thinking about gossip. If, if you're starting a diet this year, this, this year, man, you can't just go, oh, hey, I'm just not going to do this. I, I got this. I'll just, all right. No carbs, no sugar. Got it. Done. You, you have to change your thinking about the way that you see food in order for it to actually work. Otherwise, self-control will only get you so far. And so the same thing is about being renewed is that we don't just take off our old self. We don't just die to that. But we have to allow the Lord to show us the, the renewing of our minds so that when we put on the new clothes, we can walk in that manner.
So, so I, don't, I don't know what you struggle with. Like, uh, if it's spending. Everybody look down right there. Like, right. <laughs> if it's spending, you can't just go, I'm not going to buy anything. Because you're going to. It's going to be too good of a deal. You earned up those points. You got to spend them now before you lose them. It will make sense that by spending the $100, you actually saved $50. I don't know how that worked because I'm out $100, but it made sense to me when I bought those shoes. But you have to allow the Lord to renew your mind to the fact that that's not my $100 anyways. Did I ask him if he thinks if I should get a pair of shoes or did, should I ask him if somebody else needs it more than I do? You see, because we have to change the way that we view the things in order to continue to walk that way out. Self-control, self-will, self-improvement will only get you so far. It's being re- having your mind renewed to the fact to see things the way that the Lord sees them. To have that eternal perspective so that we're not wandering aimlessly and lost. But we go, okay, if I'm going to spend that $100, how does that affect the vision that the Lord has for me? Oh, that means that I'm not able to help someone here. That's not part of my vision that the Lord has for me. Oh, if I keep eating this way, if I keep drinking seven Dr. Peppers a day, then I'm not going to be there for my kids or for my 47 kids when they get old and they have grandkids, right? So like, I have to change because otherwise if I just say, oh, I don't want to drink Dr. Pepper, I can do it. No, but if I change the way that I view that, then, then I have a chance at it. If the, then, then you, have, you change your thinking, then, you, then it's a continual process where the Holy Spirit is continually, continually showing you things. It has to be by the renewing of our mind. It's not just the renewing of our mind isn't just acquiring knowledge and like, oh, okay, the Lord does this. No, it's, it's surrendering our minds to him to, so that he can continually teach us. It's an intentional process that requires us to constantly be in his word. Have you ever read the same passage? I mean, I know we're in Ephesians a lot, but have you ever read and read and read, and then, you know, you'll come back to a passage later on, and you're like, I mean, I've, I've asked my wife, babe, has that always been in there? Like, is this the new, but, like, because what happens is the Lord continues to renew your mind. Something that, that didn't, you didn't need at that time, you didn't see at that time, he enlightened it. Our minds were darkened, but now they're enlightened. And so, continually being in his word. It's not so that we can know how many tribes of Israel there were, how many days they were in the desert. Like we, That stuff is good, but that's not why we engage in the word. It's so that he can continue to teach us and show us, to renew our minds to the fact. To where when we think things aren't possible, we read the stories in the Bible, we're like, man, he can do that. It, it's this ongoing process of walking with him, trusting him. And then fellowship with one another. Do you know that, that we can be taught more from each other than just one man right here? Just surrounding yourself with mature believers. They, they don't have to be Pastor Mike. They, they just got to be somebody that's a little bit further ahead than you. Somebody that, that's been there, done that, seen that. You know, I love Pastor Mike. Pastor Mike's one of our elders here, and I always compare you, Pastor Mike, behind your back to uh, the, is it the Farm Bureau, State Farm guy? He's like, I know a thing or two because I've seen a thing or two. I'm like, I always call Pastor Mike because he knows a thing or two, and he's seen a thing or two. He's probably seen Royce try it is what happened, and he, I, I, that ain't going to work. I saw Royce try that. 
you know, but we have to surround ourselves with more mature believers because they're the ones that are going to show us and help us get to where we're supposed to be. We have to be renewed to that. It's replacing the old thought patterns with God's truth. Because what happens is if we just, if we just die to ourselves and we're not renewed, then those thought patterns, we're always going to fall back to them because that's our default. And so all we're trying to do is we're trying to get that default switched over to, to where, hey, when the bill comes through, I'm not worried, but I'm excited for, to see the Lord work in this. When, when I see a Dr. Pepper, I'm not like, oh, Lord, why would you tempt me in this way? But it's like, oh, man, Lord, this is going to be good to say no to that. Right? When, when you get the chance to encourage someone, you're not like, oh, man, I could talk bad about them. No, it's like, man, you know, so, so you see somebody fail, not do well, and it's like, where before you're like, oh, this is good. I can tell someone about this. But now you get to go, hey, man, I've, I, let me pray for you. Let me encourage you in this way. It's changing those thought patterns. It's re resetting the default to the things of the kingdom. And then it says to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity of truth. Put on the new self. I love in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Verse 18, it says, We all, with unveiled faces, are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You see that, that when we put on those clothes, that, that we're being transformed, when we put on the new self, and when we put him as the focus, it says that we with unveiled faces, like we get to see him. We, we live, you know, the, the old covenant was one that where there was a veil, that, that you, we were separated, but now we live in an unveiled covenant where we get to be with him face to face. We get to see him, hear him, interact with him. And it says that you with unveiled faces, we get to look at him as if in a mirror. We get to see him as if in a mirror and we're transformed from glory to glory. The, the, the picture is you're looking in a mirror and you see him, right? Because you are being transformed from glory and that glory comes into you. That, that we put on this new self, the one that was created in his image and in his likeness and righteousness and impurity. We have to be void of ourselves and make him the focus and the aim of our life so that we can be created who we, we were, so that we can walk in who we were created to be. We, we want to throw that around a lot, created in the image of God. And like it's, oh, it's okay, everything's okay, we're created in his image. But here it says that, Put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity of truth. We don't get to walk in sin and go, it's okay. I'm created in the image of God. Like, No, no, no. The likeness of God is righteousness and purity. So that's who we're putting on the new self so that we can be the image that we are supposed to be because that is who the world desperately needs to see. It's like walking like Jesus did, reflecting 
his image in our words and our actions and our relationships. To putting on the new self is walking like Jesus walked. It's possible. It's daunting. It seems impossible most days for me. But to put on the new self means that I get to reflect him in my words, in my actions, and in my relationships. I think at this point in time, you know, it's December 31st. January 1st is tomorrow and you got the new year resolutions and those thoughts of things that are going to be different this year. And we want to just hit the ground running, but honestly, it's slow and steady. Slow and steady. You know, that, that's why it's read the Bible in a year, not read it in January. Because it's impossible for you to do because you're not going to maintain it. Putting on this new self not excusing sin, not saying it's a thorn in our side, but it's a slow and steady race to where we're going to get there. It doesn't mean that we get to continue to walk in sin, entertain sin, be full of ourselves, but it means that, hey, we're getting there. It's just going to take a little bit of time. Slow and steady. It's nothing flashy. Nothing enviable. Like people aren't looking at you like, man, that's the life, right? What did Jesus, you know, the disciples were going to follow him. And Jesus said, the son of man has no place to lay his head. That's the life we're, we're, you're about to walk into, right? It's nothing flashy. It's not enviable. It's just slow and steady. It's reflecting him in all that we say and we do in our relationships. The way that I, I look at this, putting on our new self, putting on the, those new clothes, it's just, we want to just like go and buy an orphanage in Africa and just save the world. But, but really it starts with how do, how do I talk to my spouse? How do I treat my kids? How do I, this one's going to get you, how do I drive the roads? How do I obey the laws? You see, because that's not flashy. But... But when you look at it, like just right down there, verse 25, put away lying, speak the truth. I mean, that, how more practical can you get? Be angry and do not sin. Let the thief no longer steal. You see, he's not saying, hey, I need you to go out and cast out all the demons out of Parker County. Uh, I need you to host a prayer night every night for the next seven years. Hey, if you're stealing, just stop it. If you're angry, don't let the sin go down, the sun go down while you're still angry. Deal with that. Slow and steady. How do you speak to your coworkers, to your boss? Do you speak up when others are being made fun of? Are you generous? You see, those are all reflections of a new self. We have to put off the old self. It's got to die. We got to be renewed in our minds. And we got to put on the new self that's created in the image and the likeness of God in righteousness and purity. So that's how we do it.
you, you want this year to be all those things that you've dreamed of? Then what are you going to do differently? Are you going to look back one year from today and go, oh, man, I should have done this, should have done that? Our coach would always tell us, if you always do what you've always done, you'll, you'll always get what you always got. What are you going to do this year? You're going to continue to carry around that baggage? You know, because sometimes we're, we're, the, we're, the, we're the new self, right? And we got our new clothes on and we look good, but we're dragging the bag of hand-me-downs, right? We're dragging our, our old self with us. Are you going to drag that around another year? Are you going to allow the enemy to slow you down for another year from walking in your purpose and your destiny? What are you going to do this year? That's going to be different. It might not be buying an orphanage in Africa. It might just be in the best spouse that you can be. And the world will see it. You don't have to announce it on Facebook. The world will see. Father, we submit these things to you. Submit our lives to you. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to speak truth into our lives, to provide correction where needed, encouragement where you see it. We surrender it all to you. Father, may our lives reflect the glory that is in us. We surrender it all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I got a couple of announcements. Uh, one is starting January the 10th, uh, we start our family nights up again. So family nights are Wednesday nights. We have kids, we have youth, we have Bible study. There'll be a class, uh, Kelly and Eric, right? Y'all are teaching marriage class. So there you got that one. Me, I will be teaching, like, we just go through whatever we're talking about. We sit in a circle, we take communion, we pray for one another, and we just get, dig into the Word. So that starts back up. There's always...